Welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. I'm your host, Libertarian Tony. Well, if this is your first time listening to this show, well, thank you very much. And if you are a repeat listener, well, then I also want to say thank you for coming back and listening to each and every show. Please don't forget to visit my website when you get a chance, libertyonfire.org, where you can get the podcast directly over the internet and links to support pages for the show to help keep the lights on and for some of the products that I'm going to recommend who I happen to be an affiliate marketer for. So if you want to support the show and you're interested in some of the products that I'm helping to promote, then go to my website and either make a donation on the Patreon page, which of course will also be in the show notes, or check out some of the products I'm advertising and see what you think. But remember to click on it through my link at my website or through the show notes. If you are a social media person, well then you can also check me out on Twitter at LOF Podcast. So that's L-O-F Podcast. And please don't forget to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever medium you're using to download and listen to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Hey, Joey, welcome back to the podcast. How you been doing? Good, thanks. Thanks for letting me come back. How you doing? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just trying to piece all together everything that's happened in the past, I mean, it's like six days. It's been crazy. And uh, I have to come out and admit to my listeners that I did not see this one coming this whole Biden resurgence. Did you? Pretty. It was pretty embarrassing because, yeah, we were just talking crap about Biden being dead. Actually, remember I referred to him as like one of those Harry Potter ghosts in the cafeteria that just kind of pop out of the walls because they want to like kind of be involved, but they're not really alive, so they have to go away. Well, when you listen to him speak, he kind of sounds like that sometimes anyway, like a ghost or like someone who's right. half dead. Yeah, he was ghost Biden. But now, now he's like more like uh, Voldemort in Harry Potter where he's actually risen from the dead and he's more powerful than ever that's a great analogy yeah i like it yeah we didn't see it coming though that was pretty uh, yeah but no one did I, oh, I don't think a lot of people were talking about it anyway i can't remember anybody on the news at all any of these pundits talking about biden resurging i remember everybody saying something like he has to win south carolina and that's the only thing i remember people saying Man, he destroyed. I'm, I, I'm looking, still looking at some of the the numbers coming in, and he's just he really did destroy everyone. Any like, what do you want to look at about it? Did you anything stick out to you as really surprising? Well, before I think we go over Super Tuesday, um, I think I want to talk about the weekend, the weekend dropouts of Pete Buttigieg and Klobuchar, because. I really mm -hmm. think that factored in somehow to Biden's resurgence because they both dropped out and they both backed Biden and supported him right before Super Tuesday. So you can imagine the power brokers behind the scenes, they are like, you know what, these moderates got to consolidate or Bernie's going to win. And then they went to Pete and, and Klobuchar and they're like, hey, come on, you're not going to win. You have no chance. And we got to take out Bernie. So please drop out and we'll do you a favor in the future or something, right? And you gotta back you gotta back Biden. We gotta we gotta defeat Bernie because they gotta they gotta beat Bernie before they can beat Trump. I don't know if it was because, you know, they're backing the establishment or they're they are afraid of themselves a socialist and they're not really on board with that. I don't know how, how that's all going down, but it it definitely seemed like that was the plan, you know, to to really take down Bernie before the you know, before these votings happened at Super Tuesday. And it looked like it. It looked like it worked. 
I mean, how can you argue against the success of it? It was, I, I mean, I was expecting Biden to get, I don't know, I, I, I don't know about the math on this, but maybe, you know, 200 delegates, kind of something similar to like Bloomberg, he might get like 200. And I thought Bernie was going to run away with the vast majority of delegates, but that is not what happened. Should I um, go over some of the delegate counts as yeah. as we know it? Okay, so let me yeah. just bring up the real clear. I'm going to tell everybody again, uh, all our thousands of listeners, uh, I always use real clear politics averages because I'm consistent uh, throughout well, it was the past year or so we've been doing this now. So go back to Real Clear, clear Politics, and I guess you can get the um, delegate count from any website, but might as well just use them because then we're going to go into the polling data. But Biden right now has 626 delegates, and Bernie Sanders has 550. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has 64. And he probably isn't really worth mentioning anybody else except for Tulsi Gabbard, who's still in the race with one delegate. Yeah, well, you know what I think is really well first off you, you see trump on twitter he's really like hammering it in on uh, elizabeth warren for sticking around because she you know ate up a bunch of votes that would have been going to bernie and and he's like really giving it to her rile, trying to like rile up the sort of inter democrat um division and he so i think that's true that she did steal a lot of votes from bernie and she, and she did probably screw him up in like a state you know maybe like massachusetts or something but what about Mike Bloomberg? Mike Bloomberg in all these states was eating up a lot more votes than I thought that I thought he was actually going to do. And if he wasn't in the race, who do you think those votes are going to? I mean, Mike Bloomberg was pretty moderate. Yeah, I think probably Biden. Yeah, I, I would say if you're going to assume that Elizabeth Warren's votes are going to Bernie, then you have to assume Mike Bloomberg's are going to Biden. And uh, like every single, I think more of Bloomberg's would go to Biden than Elizabeth's would go to Warren. I don't know, maybe, I mean, at least you'd have to play that game. And if you did that, then he runs away with even more states. And the, the ones where Trump was sort of like giving it to to her about, I think he said like if if you, if you Warren had dropped out, you know, Bernie would have won Massachusetts, Minnesota, and Texas. And that's true for Massachusetts, but you look at some of these, like, let me, let me see if I can find Texas. You know, Joe Biden had 700,000 votes there. Bernie had 622, but Bloomberg had third for 298,000. Hmm. If you were to do the math and give Bloomberg to Biden and Elizabeth Warren to Bernie, then Joe Biden still comes out on top in Texas. You know, Massachusetts, he does lose. But um, there was one other that, that Trump was talking about in Minnesota. Let me see if I, can, if I can get Minnesota's real quick. I don't know if you have the numbers right in front of you. Okay, so Minnesota, uh, Joe Biden had 287,000 votes. Bernie had 222. Mike Bloomberg had had sixty two thousand, and Elizabeth Warren had one hundred fourteen. So they're they're neck and neck there. But if you do the math there, just the simply giving the votes to each other, then Biden still had. And what I thought was also interesting was how many votes Biden actually got in California. He had seven hundred and eighty six thousand votes to Bernie's one million, and Bloomberg took up four hundred thousand himself. He's in third. So if you do that math. Bernie and Joe Biden are like neck and neck in California. Who thought, would you think that was going to be something that, that you'd see happen? No, I I was really thinking that Bernie was just going to blow Biden out in California. I mean, like, yeah, that's, that's really surprising. I, I think anyway. 
And then the Minnesota thing, the Klobuchar backing of Biden, I think, really helped Biden get Minnesota. And yeah, it was, it was a big kind of slap in the face for me because I did not see this coming. But again, I mean, we both talked about this. I don't think anybody did. And now, I mean, Biden's got like this decent lead and we're coming up to, you know, more states uh, voting later this month. It's probably going to be a decent fight. And even if, I guess the goal, if each one of the delegates can't get the number, uh, I think we're probably one of them will get the number before the convention. But if they can't, well, then at least the establishment people did the what they accomplished, right? They they went out to accomplish just prevent Bernie from getting it. This way, at the brokered convention, they can assign it to whoever the hell they want, and they can, you know, make all those decisions behind closed doors. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. But I'm I'm looking at this, and to me, it might be good news. You know, I might feel good about this because I think what we might be seeing is that the Democrat voters aren't as radically liberal as you see on TV because all we hear about is AOC, all we hear about is Bernie Sanders, you know, those type of things. And the voting so far is is not looking like the, the main base really is on board with a, a socialist type of type of government. You know, I mean, Biden is super boring. He's sleepy Joe Biden. He's not a great candidate, but he's he's blowing them out of the water. And Michael Bloomberg is he's just trying to buy his way in. Everyone knows it. And he's not really likable at all. And he's getting votes. It's not like Elizabeth's even really high up here anywhere. So the other one who tried to go in the socialist land, Elizabeth, is not doing anything. So I think it's it could be good for like everyone. It could be good for the, the country in general. You know, that they're not actually, it doesn't appear right now like they're act, we're actually going, moving towards, you know, that crazy left wing as, as we thought. You know, some people said, you know, Bernie Sanders is, is actually statistically showing as, as favorable, you know, among among all Democrat voters and stuff. But it, it's not bearing out here. I mean, he's it's showing that socialism is not favorable, you know, in my opinion. You know, I, I mean, the California thing sticks out to me. Like the more I just think about it, it, it would they're it, they're pretty close to neck and neck. Joe, sleepy Joe, and Bernie Sanders. You know, and you know, one thing I thought was interesting. I didn't even realize that they that the Trump gets you know is actually up against no name guys. And it, you know, you you were telling me that that's a thing. Like you could actually vote for some other Republican. You know, so you could actually go vote for Trump again. I, I didn't even, I didn't know why they do that, but um. Trump's numbers in California, the people who showed up for him, he had a one million four hundred thousand votes show up in California. That's that's more than uh, Bernie got in California. Yeah, I know Bernie's is you know the, they're spread out there, but you know it's not that much. One million four hundred thousand. That's got to be like a crazy amount of turn up for for you know a a guy who doesn't have anybody run, running against him. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, and I, it looks like a, a lot of states. Uh, Trump is getting this really crazy turnout for a primary that doesn't even need to be had because some states, I think, even canceled their primary. So, yeah, Trump yeah. doesn't even have to be doing this, but he's still out there on the campaign trail and whipping everybody up. And I think it's going to be a lot harder to beat Trump uh, this year than what all the polls are telling you. If you look at a lot of these these uh, polls, they, they have... Biden and Bernie and whoever up against Trump, they have them all beating Trump, which is just makes no sense because, of course, all the polls in 2016 had Hillary beating Trump, too. So you can't really trust those polls at all. 
No, just forget about the polls. Well, speaking of polls, and okay. I'm just going to just do this real quick for our audience because I've been doing this on most of the podcasts that we talk about polls. So, again, real clear politics, polling average. I just I just said forget about polls, though. Oh, you did? Uh-oh. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. How about that? <laughs> so there has been a huge swing in the national polls for the Democratic Party uh, uh, contenders. So as of a week ago, so right before Super Tuesday, Biden was losing to Bernie Sanders by almost 10 points, okay? Just in the past couple of days, Biden has surged. He is now seven and a half points ahead of Bernie. And this is new. I mean, this this just happened. It's crazy. So it looks like the Super Tuesday results plus Warren and uh, Bloomberg dropping out have just caused, uh, I guess, a bunch of people to be like, hey, he's a winning guy. Let's go with the winner. So Biden right now, national polls at 34.3, and Bernie Sanders is at 26.8. I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, the, the two dropping out, I think, like we were talking about earlier, the, you're, they're pretty much votes are going to funnel right in. You know, you would, you would imagine Elizabeth Warren's funneling to Bernie, although I'm not totally sure about that. And Mike Bloomberg's funneling right into Joe Biden. Yeah, and this is all before we we don't even have the Obama, you know, the Obama put. You know, what, who's Obama going to endorse? You know, I guess he's not going to endorse anybody if he isn't at this time. But if he did, you know, wanted to come out for Bern, uh, for Biden eventually, that'd be pretty, you know, big swing for him. So I've got a, a theory on that. If okay. if Biden starts to flounder before the convention, I think Biden, uh, Obama will come out and support him. But he may withhold his uh, his support until the convention, until they, the convention picks the nominee if Biden is doing well or just wins it outright. Uh, because maybe Obama doesn't want to play his hand before then. But it looks like if, if you were an Obama supporter, you're pretty much voting uh, with uh, Biden this time around. And a lot of people that have been interviewed that are Biden supporters— They've come out and said that, yeah, I'm voting for Biden because he supported Obama for eight years. So I guess this is kind of like the nostalgia of, of Joe Biden, who's been a politician for, I mean, he's been a politician for like 10 generations, but he did support our first black president for eight years. Um, another thing I wanted to mention was that, so when Bloomberg dropped out on, I think it was Wednesday, he immediately backed Biden. And then mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren dropped out today and she hasn't backed anybody yet. She specifically said in a press conference that she needs time to kind of think about it. What do you think that's about? It's like a wild card. I don't, I don't really know because, yeah, I know her voters might be going to Biden, but I don't know, I mean, to Bernie, but I don't know who she, she'll go for. I mean, she tried to steal Bernie's lane a little bit, but I, I really think Elizabeth is just very disingenuous about politics and, and about everything here. And I don't think she was believing over half the stuff she was you know, saying and campaigning on anyway. So I don't think she herself would vote for Bernie. I think she actually maybe would rather vote for Biden, but I have no idea what she'll do, you know, because it's not, you know, it's tricky. Yeah, I don't remember her during the debates attacking Biden all that much. She did go after Bernie a couple of times, and then she tried that whole sexist thing with him at the end of one of the debates. So, yeah, it's. I think maybe she waits a little bit to see who is, she thinks is going to win, and then she throws her support behind 
that person, whoever's in the lead, in order to try to get some sort of VP spot or a cabinet spot? What do you think about that? We were sort of guessing that would happen. And, and I think we were saying Bernie at that time, but I, I would probably flip now. I, I think that Elizabeth Warren would back Joe Biden. We'll see if it happens. But I think during the campaign, like I said, she was trying to you know, run in the same lane as Bernie. And I think that's why she tried to do an attack and to see if she can overtake Bernie, you know, get that that sort of vote, that mo- super millennial vote, the young crowd, uh, really super left on socialist type of, you know, liking crowd. See if she can overtake Bernie as, as that main person. And it didn't work. So now that it didn't work and she's done, I don't I'm not seeing her, you know, continuing to go down that lane i think she like i said i think she might go with biden now and and especially since biden is looking like the top guy and then maybe she'll have like sort of a marketing pitch to him where she'll she can bring some of that bernie crowd over with her you know if she's the vp to to help take on trump so i'm thinking about like who biden would pick for vp and I think a lot of the analysts on TV are saying, well, it's got to be a woman or it's got to be somebody black, you know, to try to get the uh, more of the black vote. But I mean, he already does pretty well with the black vote. So I, I think he's going to have to pick a woman. And then if, who would he pick? I guess you could go with, you know, some of the prior contenders, right? You can go with Harris, you can go with Klobuchar and or Warren. But Warren had the best numbers out of the three women, so it kind of makes sense to try to work out a deal with Warren. Uh, that's That would be my guess. And is it going to work with her voters? Maybe. I don't know. I think, yeah, maybe half of them would be kind of throwing their support behind Bernie and the other half would throw their support behind Biden. Unless she was on the VP ticket, then I think she would tend to carry more people with her to Biden. Uh, that's just my guess. What do you think? Yeah, it makes sense. But the VP people always seem to be like guys who are out of nowhere. So we'll see. But that would be like numbers-wise, that seems like it would it would make sense. So right now, um, it's kind of funny, I guess, because your top two guys, after all this started, you know, in the beginning, and you had all this diversity, diversity, diversity is the most important thing possible talk, and, uh, you know, females, uh, black candidates, both black and white, gay, blah, blah. At the end of the day, the two guys are two old white guys. Yeah, isn't it kind of funny that every minority that was in the race and every woman is, oh, except for Tulsi Gabbard, right? So every, just about every minority and, and woman within the race, they kind of just ran them out of the party or the voters just didn't right. like them. So, yeah, I'm kind of hoping since Tulsi's still in it, I mean, she's not going to win, but I'm hoping they will allow her to come up on the debate stage again. But I, I don't know. I well, think they're rigging it against her. But this is the time to pause and take a moment of reflection for everyone, all of our thousand listeners, because if you're listening and you're on the Democrat side and this was a GOP race and all the candidates dwindled down to two white guys, tell me that you and all of, like the people on social media who are liberals wouldn't be, te- wouldn't be calling this out as, you know, racist voters and look how racist and sexist that the GOP crowd is at the end of the day. Oh, of course they would. It would be happening, and but uh, let's reverse to what's you know on our side now, where where we're seeing it happen, because that's the reality here. And are we calling anybody racist or sexist or anything like that? No, we just think it's funny, and ironic, and we're kind of laughing about how that ironically happened. None of us are looking at the Democrat voter side 
and saying, oh, they must be racist, they must be sexist, they must be bigoted, or any of that. doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, they got two old white millionaires now running for the, the presidency. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, I just wanted to stop and point that out. The uh, irony here is not lost on me. It, it's kind of funny, actually, like you were saying. And I guess I, another thing I wanted to bring up, I wanted to kind of go back to uh, what we started with, with Pete and Klobuchar dropping out. So what, what do you think may, might have been promised to them in the future? Because, I mean, Pete, Pete's like, what, 22 years old? I mean, he's just barely out of diapers, and he's got a long political career ahead of him. So, yeah, uh, they could have said, hey, we're, we'll back you for what, senator? We'll back you for governor? We'll back you for a future presidential run? I mean, they could have made all sorts of promises to Pete to drop out, and kind of similar to Klobuchar. She's already a senator, but, you know, she could end up being governor and just strengthen her political career going forward and get the full support of the DNC for dropping out and helping Biden. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Like, I don't know which one, it, which thing they did get promised, but I think that's what it was. I mean, I think Biden, like, they probably were like, okay, we're heading into Super Tuesday. Bernie's in the lead here. Bernie's a bit radical. He, he he's not someone that we want to work with. He's not even someone that we want to see run the country. Joe Biden, I'm Joe Biden, the only guy who has a shot here. Sorry, Pete, you know, you're, you don't have a shot. You know, you're down like fifth and sixth in the polls, uh, but you're young. You haven't really done, and he hasn't really done anything like special, you know, so this is, he could stick around and really hang around the top ranks of politics by being, you know, accepted into some cabinet position with Biden if he throws in his support. So it just, you know, I'm sure that's what happens, right? Every single time this stuff goes down, political favors. Yeah. So I think definitely we'll see him stick around. Well, I have a few commercials for you guys. I'm an affiliate marketer for several different companies, which I do recommend if you're interested in such products. And you have my word that I'm only going to promote stuff that I actually use and that I actually think is a great value. So I want to tell you a little bit about Captivate FM. I use Captivate FM as my podcast hosting platform, and it's probably the best podcast hosting platform there is. Captivate is said to be the apple of podcast hosting, and the value is certainly undeniable. And you can get seven free days just for trying it out. I host my podcast through Captivate, which is the world's only growth-oriented podcast host, and you can too. Next up is the McClanahan Academy. So this is at McClanahanAcademy.com, and that's M-C-C-L-A-N-A-H-A-N. And a little bit about Brian McClanahan, who created this academy. He's an author of six books and a renowned historian. He got his PhD in history at the University of South Carolina. He has written numerous articles for many websites and magazines. He has nine courses for sale right now on his website covering pre- and post-Civil War American history. And he's a fantastic historian and will give it to you straight. And the next product I want you to check out is called Liberty Classroom. And you can go to libertyclassroom.com to take a look. And you can get the history and economics they didn't teach you in school. Several fantastic historians and economists have courses on this site, which you can play over the internet or through a phone app on such topics as philosophy, American history, Western civilization, the American presidents, and the interesting connection between science fiction and liberty. You can also get courses on history of economic thought, current economic thought, and remember, this is the true history you didn't get in school without the political correctness that we all love to hate. 
And please remember, if you're gonna try out any of these products, I only get credit if you click on one of them through either my website or through the show notes on my podcast. Okay, now let's get back into the show. And the other interesting thing that happened in the news was Biden got support from Beto O'Rourke and then came out and said that you're going to be my gun guy going forward. You're, you're going to go after those guns. I mean, that's not really a winning message for people of Texas, is it? Yeah, I, I heard that when, that he said that. And when when did he say it again exactly? This was like a couple of days ago. And again, and then Biden had another stupid thing he said in uh, one, one of his little, you know, I don't know if it was a press conference or it might have been a rally, right? A political rally. He said that, you know, under me, your taxes are going to go up. I mean, that's not something you're supposed to admit, right? Yeah. And I just really don't get the gun thing because like, whoa, slow down. Like, why are you... Do you really believe that? And even if you did, like, why are you like sort of saying that out loud? Like, and first, what's a gun guy? Does every presidential administration have a gun guy? Never heard of that. But you don't want crazy Beto O'Rourke, you know, anywhere around that kind of part of your campaign. That's how you lose voters. Beto was willing to send armed guards, so you know, armed cops, to your house to try to take your guns that you did not want to give up voluntarily. I mean, he's just begging for conflict here. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, I guess it makes sense because Biden thinks 150 million people were killed by guns, you know, in America the other year. So he needs Beto as his gun guy. It's a big, it's a big issue. He's no one told Biden the, the the facts on that one. That's a true pandemic compared to the coronavirus. So I guess next we can talk about the relative strength of Biden as a candidate. And I know he's got a history of making like weird sayings and gaffes, but I don't know. This guy just seems a little off to me. What do you think? Uh, it seems like his mental, you know, uh, capacity is kind of dwindling, and I'm getting kind of concerned that something is really bizarre about him. With the, I mean, he yet again had the whole sniffing a little girl's hair moment again. Did you see that? Yeah, what, I thought I saw him sniff a baby. Did he sniff a girl too? Yeah, well, a baby, yeah. It was like a baby girl. Okay. But what is what is the deal here? And he can't stop himself. I mean, I th- at first I thought it was like, okay, you just captured like a bad moment and he's out in there so often and he's he's just sort of like uh, embracing that way and it's just a bad look. But now it's like one after the other after the other and it's not stopping and it's it's really weird. This was He was literally like just put his face at a, at a baby girl and like in, <laughs> inhaled with his eyes closed. I don't get it. It's not something that you can just sort of excuse away at this point. It's it's really weird. You did see that one, right, though, right? It was a couple of days ago. I did. The, the sniffing of the children and that recent baby. I don't know why he couldn't just, you know, do the goo-goo gaga thing. Oh, the baby's so cute. Why did he have to sniff the baby? I don't understand that part. That's that's the creepiness that I would rather not have in the White House. Cause we, we had a creepy bill clinton in the white house and, and he did lots of nasty things to, to women so i'd rather not put biden in that position uh not just for that but for you know all of his policies he's not really a moderate he, he has gone so far left it's going to be hard i think for the party and for biden to kind of walk back towards the center after i guess the after the convention right after he's named if it is biden after after he's named the the guy because you know bernie doesn't have to because he can't bernie has always been crazy socialist left and he has to stay there in that lane but biden 
he's going to have to try to kind of walk some of this stuff back to go up against Trump, and I don't know if he can. Yeah, it's definitely hard to figure out what's going on in that party, and it might take more than just this election. It might take the next one because they are campaigning on super, you know, way left topics, like way way further to the left than they've ever before, and they're campaigning on that kind of stuff. But then when the votes come in, they're not going for that person. Their their votes are looking like they're pulled more back to the centrist, more you know, area. They're not really putting full support on the, the Bernie and all that. Um, how much of that is what I was saying before, where Democrat voters aren't as radical left as as you might seem, or how much of that is that um, Obama is the you know the vice president of Obama is really you know the only thing keeping us from going that route and if it wasn't joe biden and it was someone else would bernie just run away with it and is you know is i don't know i can't tell yet maybe joe biden is not even that likable but it's just the whole obama factor and he's he was the vp for obama and obama was like the most likable democrat guy in a while well i mean even the numbers tell us right now that if biden was not in the race i think bernie would probably have over 11 or 1200 delegates right now but i don't mean quite like that but like if it was like Biden's gone and then there's no one else there, like some other name, though, like. But who who else do they have? They really don't have any. Right. It would be no one here. I don't know. It, they don't really have. Yeah, they don't really have anybody else. So I guess if Biden wasn't there, there was no one else you could put and Bernie would be the guy. I don't know. I mean, you can tell uh, Gavin Newsom of California, he's being groomed for the presidential spot in the future. But who knows when? Is it going to be? 2024, 2028. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's he did the San Fran, uh, you know, mayor thing, and then he uh, went to governor, and he's got so much money uh, in his family behind him, and, and so much power in that family that he's definitely he's definitely going to be president one day, unfortunately. But other than him, who else do they have really that could really capture, uh, I guess, millions of votes across the country? Because I don't, I just don't see it with Pete. I don't see it with Warren or Klobuchar and Bernie. He he had a chance. He definitely had a chance until this Biden resurgence. But again, the, it seems like these, the I guess, have you seen the polling on the kids, right? the young people voting? They're not really showing up as much for Bernie as uh, the pundits thought they were. So yeah, mm-hmm. his, his numbers are even down with college kids. And that was probably his biggest cohort that he could count on against Trump is like a, a bunch of know nothing, you know, people in college that, you know, kind of vote on emotions. Yeah. And they're all promising them like crazy stuff, like free college and, you know, drop out, you know, loan forgiveness and stuff. They're just, they can make those empty promises so easy to buy votes from kids, which is something I think is really annoying. But yeah, I'm really interested to see where it goes from here down the road years from now. And same with the Republican Party. And how much of, you know, what Donald Trump wasn't in politics before this happened. Now, all of a sudden, he's the biggest player and his endorsement is going to be massive, you know, for in 2024. It's going to be interesting. Uh, before we get off this podcast, though, mm. uh, I wanted to see what you thought about coronavirus affecting the markets. And does it have any political ramifications for Trump? Well, th- I mean, this could be a, a big discussion, but yeah, I think. The coronavirus is going to hurt the supply lines, especially from China. Mm-hmm. It's going to hurt, uh, you know, things that are manufactured in Japan and in South Korea now. 
And I mean, there's not too much made in Italy or Iran, so we don't have to worry about it so much there. But it's, it's shutting down travel. Conferences coming to even San Francisco have been canceled. So I think it's going to lead to a quarter two or quarter three recession. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. the, the data doesn't come out instantaneously. You always get the GDP data like a, a month or two late after the quarter finishes. And then there's always revisions down, right? So even if even if it comes out, it says second quarter was at 2%, you know, six months later, you might get a revision say, like, oh, no, the second quarter was at like 0.1% or something. So... Yeah, I, I do think we're going into a at least a mini recession. It could trigger a much larger one uh, if this coronavirus keeps up. If it, I guess, dwindles in the next month or so, maybe it'll just be a tiny uh, bit of an economic pullback, and then Trump can try to blame it on the virus and get reelected. But if it's a major slump, I think it's really going to hurt his election. Okay, so I, I might be alone in this. You know, because I brought this up before and, and people were like, meh. But I think this is actually a shield for Trump. And one thing we've talked about before is, you know, the one, one something that would really derail Trump would be an economic recession. You know, and all he, his numbers have to stay high throughout 2020, throughout the whole process. And if, if we pull back at all, which was likely just from cyclical, you know, just from the time that we've been in, in expansion on paper, you know, you would you would think that our, our pullback was coming eventually. But anyway, we had said if that happens under Trump, that's the biggest threat to him winning again. If the if there's a recession in quarter three or whatever, quarter probably three more so than quarter two, and it's it's a supply led recession like it's like it seems like it would be, and it's it's because of this coronavirus. I mean, quite obviously, it had nothing to do with Trump's policy. So we'd be in a recession and. And healing from that, and all we had to see on paper was a boom from Trump up until some worldwide catastrophe happened that that halted global economics that had nothing to do with American economics, you know, or something that we did, or something that Trump did, or something him his policy related. I I view it as like a, a get out of jail free card economically for Trump, and I, I don't see how anybody could look at that. And say, oh well, look, now we're doing bad under Trump. Let's try and switch it. I think they would say our economy was rocking under Trump until this happened. You know, I want him to get back in there throughout the a second term. You know, after we're healed from from this uh, virus and get it going again. I think that I think that's how it would be viewed. You don't think so? Yeah, no, I think that's a very valid point. And in, instead of Trump trying to blame a economic recession, pullback, or whatever you want to call it, on the Fed. Now he's got something else he can use. He can use the coronavirus as the reason for maybe a slump that would have happened anyway, because we're in... That's what I mean. Yeah, we're in the 10th year of an economic expansion, and usually get some sort of recession every 7 to 10 years. So we're already in like the longest expansion in history, I think, or at least one of the longest. So we were due, like you were saying, and yeah, I mean, maybe he can play it that way, of course... Everybody that doesn't like Trump is going to, you know, just blame him anyway. And then, but at least he can probably appeal to all of his supporters and uh, probably people in the middle or undecideds, you know, the independents and be like, hey, 
not my fault. We had this huge virus that in China, and they lied about everything, and they told us too late, and they they, they were the ones who caused this economic slowdown. And I, and I tried to save America. So I I think he will use it just as much as the other side the other side tries to use it against him. But I think he probably has a little bit of a leg up on the, on the uh, argument. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what I think. The, the visuals of it, I think he has a major leg up. I, I think it would be really easy for him to peel that way. But you mentioned the Fed. You know, it's kind of frustrating because they they really had to lower the federal funds rate and, you know, cut rates. And, and I'm just like, come on. You know, it's all stock market related. The stock market has had major booms under, under this policies and under Trump. And they can't even weather, like, a little pullback. I, I, I feel like this, this stock market people need to grow up and let take the hit okay and just recover naturally from it like we really had to add the fed come in you and i probably agree that we, the fed probably shouldn't even exist they shouldn't be touching the interest rates at all and the interest rates should be set based on you know the millions of people across the country or across the world that are either want to take the money now or they want to put money in the bank and save it right so it's the difference between people looking to get loans and people looking to save money it's the the savings by people that create the money for future investments and things like that so yeah it's it's frustrating that the fed is still manipulating but i guess that's what we got hopefully it, hopefully it'll go away one day okay guys thank you for listening and let's remember to keep those fires of liberty burning bright <laughs>